Welcome to the Hell of a Catholic Podcast. I'm TJ Capaldi, former pastoral lackey here at the Georgia Tech Catholic Center and seminarian for the Archdiocese of Atlanta. I'm Alex Carroll, focused missionary here at Georgia Tech. Father Josh, chaplain here at the Georgia Tech Catholic Center. Today we are celebrating a very happy day and also a very sad day because it is TJ's last day with us before he heads off to seminary. Woohoo! Yeah, it's very excited. His stuff's all packed up. I saw his little uh his little toiletries all lined up, ready to go. <laughs> it's a little sad, it's a little sad, but that's alright. He can go be a seminarian lackey somewhere else. <laughs> TJ, are you excited about going to seminary? I know he loves that question. Absolutely. I uh, I'm ready to go. It can't can't happen soon enough. But first, we'll have we have to celebrate tonight. By the time uh, you hear this podcast, he may have already been kicked out. <laughs> but <laughs> I hope not. But he won't find out until he's been kicked out for a long time anyway. <laughs> so, or made someone else's lackey. Exactly. <laughs> so today we are also. Uh, it is at time of recording. It is the Friday before classes start in the fall semester here at Georgia Tech. Looking out the window and you can see all the sorority girls going around, or the girls going around uh, in rush for sororities. And uh, tonight the guys will be running around for fraternity rush. And uh, we figured it would be a good time to cover a topic that is of some question and uh, also great interest on campus. Is underage drinking a sin. Thoughts? Let me, let me take a drink before I, I was going to say. Respond. Everybody take well, a drink first. <laughs> well, the, <laughs> the, the first, uh, first thing that comes to my mind is that it is certainly illegal. So if, if being illegal makes it sinful, then... Uh, then the answer would be yes, but I I doubt that it's that simple. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. I, I. Well, I don't. Would we be prepared to say that everything that's illegal is sinful? Absolutely not. Mm. Uh, I can't. I couldn't hear you. I don't think so. No, oh, okay. I wouldn't say that. Uh, why would you not say that? Uh, I don't think uh, not wearing your seatbelt is a sin, and that's illegal. That's a. I don't think walking endangering on, your life. I don't think walking on grass in certain areas is sinful, even though it might be illegal. Trespassing on private property. I mean, in Romans thirteen, does not Saint Paul mention that uh, all authority has been given to like government leaders, essentially by God, and therefore we should follow their precepts? All right? authority. No, well, like. Legitimate authority has been given to those who have legitimate authority. Well, I don't, I don't think he exactly says it that way. Yeah, <laughs> that's the idea. Right? Yeah, that's the that's a, yeah. Paraphrasing here. So, if there's a law in place, we have to follow it, or it's a sin. Well, what if the law is that you have to witness same-sex marriages? There's a case right now, I think, in Texas. Isn't it in Texas right now? Somewhere around that area. Somewhere, some some probate circulator, some probate clerk. Uh, has refused to witness same-sex marriages on account of religious beliefs. Um, if the law says that you have to do that, is that a law that if you break it, you're committing a sin? No. I would say no. Why? Because you are essentially cooperating with something that is sinful. Um, so you can't do something like you can't sign off on it and then say, like, well, I'm just following the law. If you know that the consequence is 
um, promoting something that's sinful? Uh, I'm not sure I follow what you just said. Okay, so the we're assuming that there's a connection here between um, between this same-sex union, right, and uh, associated sexual sin, right? That is no, no, no. I, I would actually no. I think to me, it's it's the the issue is okay. You are opposed to same-sex marriage for whatever reason. It doesn't really matter what the topic is. Let's say that you're opposed to a black person and a white person getting married. Okay. okay? And you're opposed to it by virtue of your religion. Um, it's not the case anymore. I don't. I don't think it is the case anymore that Mormon would be opposed to that. Mm-hmm. But certainly, a hundred years ago, a Mormon would have been opposed to that. Sure. Okay. All right. So the law of the land says. Now it does. It wouldn't have hundred years ago. But the law of the land says that if you're the clerk, like you can't discriminate based on the color of skin. So can you object to that for religious reasons? I mean, if you're going to do that, like is that is the clerk violating the law? I mean, we don't have to answer that question, but you see, mm-hmm. like, it's it's a little more complicated. It's sure. not it's not as simple as saying it violates my religious beliefs. So how does this apply to underage drinking? Well, I think the question we were talking about, is there a... Is it always the case that we have to follow a legitimately passed or a legitimately enforced law? I'm saying we don't have to follow every law that is passed. We do have to follow the laws that we deem moral. But who, if, what, if a law breaks our, like, our, who, who, who our religious code or our moral code... So then it's up to you. No. I think it's up to the church and what they deem well, moral I teaching. That, I mean, I don't think the church has told this woman that she doesn't have to perform same-sex marriages. Is it a question of conscience? It might be if your conscience is well-formed. Okay. Um, then what deems a well-formed conscience? Well, there's a good question again, right? You kind of get in all this messes. I think... Um, <laughs> I think there's certainly some laws that have been passed that you're actually probably obliged not to follow, right? Like, like if I'm the prison guard and the guy calls in sick who flips the switch on the electric chair, mm. and they say to me, uh, hey, so uh, the guy's called in sick. We need somebody to flip the switch. You're it tonight. Uh, I'm, like, I'm not going to do that. Right? It's a legitimate law, right? Mm-hmm. According to the law of the land, we can kill people. Yeah. As long as 12 people say that it's okay, you can kill anybody. Um, that doesn't mean that it's okay. That doesn't mean that it's not sinful. Sure. Right? I mean, the person who's flipping that switch, assuming that the person who's in the chair could be detained in some way other than killing them, the person flipping that switch is committing a very serious sin. Okay. So... I think there's definitely... I don't know that you can just depend on the fact that it's the law. Yeah. I agree with you. I think there's some laws that we shouldn't follow. Or, like, our conscience says that we should definitely should not follow, and in some cases even break. Um, but I don't think underage drinking is one That's of the That's probably ones. not one of them. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. Let's, so, say, let's say hypothetically I thought that the underage drinking law was really stupid. Like, okay. is that grounds enough for me to violate it? Well, do you have a... I, I'm actually curious. Um, do you have a reason for thinking that it's really stupid? Um. You well, can die for your let's say my yeah. Let's say my hypothetical argument is that there's lots of other things I can do under uh, 21. For example, fighting in military combat that seem to be of more uh, require more of me than the choice of 
drinking an alcoholic beverage. Well, how about this? How about you can drink on the military base if you're 18? You just can't drink off the base. Right? As, as a... Wait, you're allowed to? Yeah, military drinking age is 18. Oh, no idea. Well, I guess join the military if you so what about that? Much. I well, mean, I don't know. What do you think? Do you, like, do you think the it military... Still, it doesn't make... Do you think the military is out there telling the 19-year-old guys in the... In the foxholes in Afghanistan, sorry guys, you, you can't have a Budweiser. Sure, like they, they're thinking to themselves, no, no, we got bigger fish to fry. Well, it's but, just not their issue, and it's it's just not it's not the drinking age. It will even, notwithstanding the fact that you could drink on a military base uh, at eighteen, when I come home, I still can't have a beer. That's ridiculous. Well, it is ridiculous. So, does the ridiculousness of a law does that have anything to do with whether it's whether it pertains to sin? Um, well, not the ridiculousness per se, but if it's unreasonable, then I think we can make a case. Okay, if it's unreasonable. So, if you're going to make the case that the law is unreasonable, um, are there other laws that are unreasonable that you still have to follow? Like, are you allowed to violate them? No. Like, I'll give you an example. I remember it used to be the case, there was a big lawsuit, um that I remember seeing the, the resolution to it and Georgia lost the lawsuit for many years like while I was in high school and college it used to be that on 75 south and north just as you crossed from Florida into Georgia you entered into a construction zone so you would go from Florida where the speed limit was 65 or whatever mm -hmm. it was and you'd come into Georgia where the speed limit was already 55 and then because of construction it would drop down to 45 so you come right across the state line mm. and go from driving 70 in a 65 to 70 in a 45, right? And, the, and the, the troopers would always sit there, and they'd pop people right as they're coming along, right as they're coming across the border. Sure. I remember I got, I got popped one time. I was 77 in a 45, whatever. And uh, they ended up losing a lawsuit over it because they were intentionally trying to just generate revenue right. off of yeah. and there was no There was no actual construction. Speed track. Right, so it was a construction zone where they weren't they weren't doing any work on the road. Wow! Right, so it's just set up to to generate that kind of nonsense. Mm -hmm. So, but even though that is not a reasonable law, I still paid my mm -hmm. three hundred and something dollar fine or whatever. Now it probably thousands of dollars, right? Yeah, that's a lot. But I still paid my fine and I got my points on my license and my. Insurance went up and all that kind of stuff. It's was like, was it a class action lawsuit? I, I don't remember exactly what happened. I don't know if it was if it was uh, the state of Georgia that actually maybe they okay. went after somebody. I don't know. I don't know mm -hmm. what happened. Uh, it might have been insurance companies. I don't know. I can't remember. But I remember they lost the. I remember they lost the the deal. Could I think? Well, it would have been at least worthwhile to pursue maybe that ticket in court to say that that was unreasonable. Oh yeah, but you're going to lose that every time. How are you? How are, how are you going to win that? How are you going to win that ticket? I'm going to go into court and I'm going to say, you know what? I really think it's unreasonable for you to put a construction zone right as you come across the border from Florida into Georgia. And the judge is going to be like, oh, that's interesting. Why? Uh, because I got a ticket. I don't know. <laughs> like, right? I'm thinking more that the the fact that there was no construction. Yeah, but is I, I could prove that. For all I know, for all I know, I'm just driving by on a weekend. Like, I don't see anybody working. That, but I don't know that I've probably been... I've been in probably thousands of construction zones in my life now. And, what, 
15% of them sometimes. Maybe only 15% of them actually have anything going on. People working, yeah. Right? Especially on the long trips, you know, when you're driving down to Florida or whatever. Road work next 70 miles. <laughs> and there's Speed only there's yeah. only 100 yards of actual work being done. Right. Yes. Right? And you're in a, you're in a construction zone for 70 miles. Sure. Hmm. Well, I would say, like, for example, if I were driving on the highway and it says it's a construction zone... Um, and there's clearly no construction going on. I tend, I would tend towards not, uh, like, I would tend towards recognizing what the actual standard speed limit is. Right. I'm just saying you lose that in court. You're going to lose that in court. But does that make it does the question? The bottom line question is: Is it sinful? Okay. Right. So. There we kind of get into a different matter, right? It, I mean, the fact is, if it is a construction zone, they lower the speed limit because they have found over time that if people drive slower, they don't tend to hit as many construction workers, mm-hmm. right? There's those signs you see, like, however many fatalities and sure, blah, yeah. blah, blah, right? You know, so they don't tend to hit as many construction workers. So if it's a matter of this is the contract that you enter into, like when you agree to drive... You say you will abide by all the traffic laws. That's a you don't have to enter into that contract, right? You mm-hmm. enter into it freely, but when you do it, you say you will abide by all the traffic laws. You do not say I will abide by all the traffic laws that I agree with, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. You say I'll abide by all. So if you're driving sixty-five in a sixty, you are definitely not obeying the traffic laws. The question is, are you committing a sin? I say absolutely you are. Absolutely. You are deliberately doing something that you said you would not do. It's a form of lying or deception or going back on your word or whatever. You're breaking a contract that you made. So in the same sense, a person living in the United States where they knowingly know that the law of underage drinking is 21 and over, um, by choosing to break that law, they're lying or going back so on something they've who, agreed upon. Somebody who lives here who yeah. is in an age 21 and over. Mm-hmm. I would say absolutely. Yeah. If you drink underage, you are not only breaking the law, but you are committing a sin. It does not matter that the law is absurd. Mm-hmm. Right? Like why does it matter that it's 21? You know, I mean somebody might say that 21 helps. I mean who knows? You see yeah. all these studies that right. say all these different kinds of things. Like sure. some people say, if you lower the drinking age, there'd be fewer accidents. Yeah. If you raise the drinking age, there'd be fewer. I don't. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, that's the deal. The deal is that this is how alcohol works in the United States. Now, the one difference is the one difference is you haven't really entered into a contract with that. Well, you're deciding right. to live in the United States. You I can... know that, but you didn't enter into a contract with that. You were born into the United States. With the car thing, that's different. You agree. In order to get your license, okay, to abide by all of the traffic laws. Well, there's all kinds of laws that I didn't really agree to have. To I know have. that. I'm just saying. I, I think we could probably say there's a different category for laws that you freely agreed to abide by, mm-hmm. and laws that you didn't necessarily agree to abide by. Does it? No, I don't want to make this more about uh, the driving laws, but I think I'm curious to know, and maybe our listeners are too. Like, what yeah. difference does it? Listener. Mean? Listener, All right. <laughs> let's not make it. Wrong. All right. Um, <laughs> what what difference does it make that, uh, like, from my observation on the highway, 
the vast majority of people are driving over the speed limit. Okay. So people habitually... Okay, let me ask you this. So in my experience, the vast majority of men look at pornography and engage in masturbation. So does that make it okay? I'm just running with the crowd. No. Okay. What if there's... Okay, Would you like um, to continue that line of thought? Um, well, I think the severity of the two offenses... Okay, okay. Much, no, we're not talk- okay, so that's a whole different question, right? Mm-hmm. So when I tell you that speeding is a sin... Okay, that's fine. How serious a sin is it? That's a whole other question. Hmm. Now, would you recommend that I never break the speed limit ever again if I really want to be holy? Um, well, I break the speed limit. So I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> right? You're not exactly the shining beacon of holiness. Nobody, I don't think there. anybody would say, look at me and say, look at this guy. He's the next Maximilian Colby. Okay. <laughs> Um, Not yet. I do tend to take the... So here's another way of looking at contracts. <laughs> all right? Okay. Oh, yeah. another way of now that your holiness is involved, that's no, like no, a, that's okay, a okay. different one. <laughs> we were going to get to this. I, I expected you to push it a little bit, right? Okay, good job. Okay, so another way to look at a contract is to say, all right, the contract has a clause in it for what happens if you get caught. Right? Sure. So... When I enter into this contract to drive, I know I have to obey the traffic laws. And actually, all of the penalties are already included. Like, if I want to look up what the penalties are for all the various infractions, they're there also. So what you could say is you could say that the contract includes the whole thing. That says, well, yeah, well, this is the deal, but if you violate it, this is the possible Mm -hmm. penalty. And so I say to myself, I make a judgment, and I say, it's worth the penalty. That's the contract I entered into, right? That I know what the sure. penalty is, and I say, if I get caught going 65 and 55, I know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I know that I get this many points on my license, this is what the ticket's going to cost, and this is what's going to happen to my insurance, right? I know those three things, and if I choose to do it anyway, well, then then you're almost kind of not in the realm of sin at all. Now you're just kind of in the realm of a contract. Did either one of you guys watch the presidential debate? No. With uh, Donald Trump, no. so he had this line. I, I thought the whole thing was like a like a Jerry Springer show, but uh, he had this line where somebody I can't remember one of the commentators asked him about uh, him going bankrupt, several of his companies going bankrupt, and he kind of used this line. He said, "Well, I played the system. That's how it works." You know, and what he was saying was, "This is the deal. Here's how the contract works. If I go bankrupt, this is the cost of going mm. bankrupt." Right? And the cost is defined. That's the way it works. And he looked at it and he said, going bankrupt costs me less money than doing sure. the alternative. Yeah. And so he chooses to go bankrupt. Okay. That's not actually a violation of the contract. That's abiding by the contract. I've now gone bankrupt and this is the penalty. Now, if you then try to get out of the penalty, now that's a different matter. So it's only sinful if we try and get out of the penalty? Well, I'm not saying, I'm just saying it's another way of looking at contracts. Okay. So if I'm going... I promise you, that's the way businesses look at contracts. Like when Coca-Cola makes a contract with UPS, right, for delivery of Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. Coca-Cola probably delivers all their own stuff. But whatever. Yeah. You know, so company X makes a, a contract with company Y. I promise you, when they are looking at that contract, they're always looking at what's the, what is the cost of violating this contract. Because mm-hmm. that's always a legitimate option. It's sure. just another cost of doing business. Okay. 
So, so then you ask the question, well, if I have a contract with the Department of Motor Vehicles and I violate it, or Department of whatever it is, you know, and I violate it, but I know what the cost is and I pay the cost of the contract, I'm not trying to get out of the contract, I'm just saying, you know. Or just like if you have a lease on an apartment, mm-hmm. there's a penalty to if you leave early. early. Mm-hmm. But it's not like you're doing something wrong by leaving early, right? If you were to, for instance, lose your job mm-hmm. um, and you had to leave in November, <laughs> and you had to leave in November instead of leaving in May, you pay what two months? Uh, I think just a month's rent, actually. Okay, so a month's rent. Mm-hmm. So, but that's the penalty. You're not doing anything wrong by breaking that contract, as long as you pay the penalty. Because that's what you agreed to. Okay, so if I'm going 100 miles per hour in the 30, and I know that I'm breaking the contract and I accept the repercussions of breaking that contract. I'd be impressed. I am not in any way committing a sin. That's not what I'm saying at all. That's exactly what that you just said. That is not said. what I just said. You said, I know there's a contract and I choose to break it. I accept whatever is I would say that breaking the contract is not a sin. However, okay. you do get into another issue. Which is where safety. you say safety. Yeah. Okay. Right now, I'm endangering my life and other people's lives. Well, where's the and line? that is not based on the contract at all. Sure. That's based on prudence. Well, where's the line of safety then? If I'm going 78 and the 70, that's going to depend on that's going to depend on prudence. Well, who decides that? Shouldn't there be a sure fast rule? That's problematic, isn't it? A little bit. Well, it, it does. But the it fact goes. is, sometimes it's imprudent to drive 45. In the 45. On 285, even though 45 is within the realm of what you can drive, right? Mm-hmm. That's the minimum speed. Very imprudent. But it can be very imprudent and very dangerous to drive 45. Absolutely. It can also be very imprudent and very dangerous to drive 65, which is also within the speed limit of mm-hmm. 285. Especially you know, it's traffic, like yeah. it just depends on kind of what's going on. This is the thing. There's a lot of sins that fall into the category of things that we have to exercise our prudence. Mm. And the violation is a violation of prudence. Can we apply this second view of contracts to underage drinking? Well, you're not entering into a contract. That's the problem. Okay, so... Can we talk about that? So if I... I couldn't run with the argument that I, if I was 19 years old uh, and I know what the penalty is for getting caught by law enforcement for uh, for the the illegal for the law of not drinking underage, right? Uh, well, I was willing to take the penalty, and I'll take it, so therefore, you know, I'm just working within the realm of a contract. Well, first of all, if you did that, I would have great respect for you. <laughs> because the thing is, at <laughs> least, at least you're kind of taking a very mature view of the whole thing. And it's therefore, like, no, listen, there are risks, and this is the risk that I took. It didn't work out for me, but it could have. I think and I decided to take that risk. Most people who are underage drinking are probably not taking that view when they pick up a beer. Thinking, probably not a lot of thought at all. All right, taking into account all of the possible consequences, well, let me have this beer. We could probably, we, we might be able to say that anybody who does actions without deliberation is kind of in a habit of committing venial sin, at least from the sheer fact of not deliberating about their actions. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the kind of thing somebody sh- something that somebody should think about, right? Sure. Well, should I have this? I mean, I now, as a 38-year-old man, before I have a drink, I always have that deliberation. I say to myself, can I do this now? Like, do I have to go anywhere? Do I have any obligations? Mm-hmm. Like, I ask myself that question, like, before every single drink. Um, I think anybody ought to do that. Yeah. Right? I think when it gets down to it, now, and I'm prepared to be corrected by, on this, you know, 
Uh, I think because underage drinking is not strictly a contract, violating a legitimately uh, a legitimately enforced law, right? It's not like I mean the government has the right to set a drinking age. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's silly, but they have the right to set it. If and we have to render unto Caesar what is due to Caesar. And if this is within the realm of something that they're allowed to decide, then we ought to follow it under pain of knowing we're committing a sin. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem with drinking in terms of mortal sin is not with violating what Caesar says. The problem is with temperance. Sure. If you're being intemperate, then you run into a problem of a sin that could be mortal. Right. I do not think underage drinking in itself could be a mortal sin. I mean, I've seen like the, the, all the stuff in the catechism that rises to level of grave matter mm-hmm. and failure to follow misdemeanor government laws. I've never seen that listed anywhere as grave matter. Sure. Right? So I don't think, but, but intemperance or if it rises to the level of endangerment, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, that would obviously be a very serious sin. Which, that's regardless of the drinking age, I mean. That's regardless of the drinking age, exactly. But I would say that it's at least a venial sin for someone to drink underage. And so the answer to your question, TJ, was, so if I really want to be holy, should I avoid doing X because it's a venial sin? And the answer is, yeah. St. Ignatius says that for the person who truly wants to advance in the holy life, that we should prefer to die and commit a single venial sin. That is just a theoretical idea to me, but it's a theoretical idea. <laughs> you know, so and that's very is, different from the question I actually asked. No, but you asked, I, I asked, you you asked about, about driving. speeding, and you, you clarified driving, it. And I said that one falls within the context of a contract, possibly. Well, and, and the prudence question is very important in that situation, whereas uh, it's I, I would be hard-pressed to come up with a situation where um, drinking underage is the prudent thing to do, right? Yeah, so, I would love to hear you try, though. Yeah, I... That would, <laughs> that, that's like a whole other podcast. <laughs> TJ makes ridiculous arguments for things. <laughs> um, so would you guys kind of agree that the... Would you agree with the assessment that we have here at the end? Yeah. Well, and I think this is the assessment that I expected coming into it. Honestly, there's no there's no reason that your conscience to say I need to drink this beer under eighteen or nineteen or twenty, um, and so there's no reason you should do uh, it. I mean, there's tons of other questions I would ask from here, but I I feel I personally feel comfortable with it. I'm not sure that if I was nineteen and I was wondering about this question, that I would be strongly convinced not to break that law. That's a good point. Well, that's because you wouldn't you when you if you're 19, you're not strongly convinced that you shouldn't sin. Okay, that's a good point. That's that's. I mean, if you're living a perfectly upright life in every area except for underage drinking, (laughs) like show me that 19 year old who's unable to grasp this this distinction, right? So, what do we tell the college students of Georgia Tech who are under 21? how should they form their conscience in order to best live this out in a logical way? Um, in other words, even if they may not be living the perfect life of holiness, what reason should we give them not to drink 
under 21? Uh, well, I'll tell you what I tell people in confession, and that is that I tell people in confession that you are obliged to follow this law. I mean, and I even I, I, always, I always even ask them if they have like a logical argument against the law. Mm-hmm. Because I'm at least willing to... Yeah. I'm willing to grant it. you that your prudence is is skewed by your own intelligence, right? That's fine. But um, most people... I mean, the fact is, most people that are drinking underage, their reason for doing it is because I want to. Yeah. Which is never a good right? reason for anything. This is not a great reason. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, if that's your reason for doing the holy hour, reason. that's great. You know, yeah. but... <laughs> if, if that's your reason, it's like, well, okay, but like, how do you how do you expect that to end well? Mm-hmm. And is there an argument you can make to someone who is to a secular person who, who has no faith? I guess maybe it's a similar argument um, that says someone who doesn't believe in God who who follows no moral code to say like, I don't think you should drink one before you're twenty one. Actually, for somebody who doesn't believe in God, I don't see how you can ever get past the state makes the law. Period. Really? Follow the law the state makes, period. Because that's what's, it. What's what other authority? Yeah, what other authority do you answer to? Exactly. Mm. What's your exemption? Unless you just say that each person gets to make their own law. And there are people that are like that. We call them anarchists. <laughs> we don't like them very right? much. Well, it depends on who you are, right? Or what your goal is. Yeah. Interesting. All right. All right. Well, thank you for uh, listening to what was probably a very confusing uh, Hell of a Catholic <laughs> podcast. <laughs> And if uh, any of you have a question or clarification, or if you think we're absolutely totally wrong on this point, yeah. we're happy to listen to your opinion. Please send an and email. And you send an email on this one, I'll read it into the podcast. You can you can be famous to the three people that listen. <laughs> uh, podcast at gtcatholic.org. God bless.